Look, firstly, if you're going to talk about the defense, you got to include the guy with the best name, Puna Ford. So, hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. This week, we are looking at the NFC West, which teams will be able to emerge victorious. And as this is our last preview, it means we're just backing on to the start of the actual football season. So, hey, we got Connor here, we've got Sean. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's all down in Cork? Grand, yeah. It's uh, been pissing rain for on and off for about the past two weeks, so, uh, yeah. It's been a great turn. We've lost our sum- as as always in Ireland. Our, our summer lasted about uh, ten days, and now we're back into. I guess this is autumn technically. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, yeah, pretty depressing, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll get through it. Very exciting. What about yourself? Certain, certain big debates with that August versus September. What's the end of summer? Stuff like that. It's it's an old source of controversy over here. I think most people. I've gone the uh, general sense that August is still part of summer because people are still on holidays, well, basically. I think, yeah, August is part of autumn, but early September is back in summer for a little while and then it's proper autumn. So, <laughs> yeah. So for myself, not too, not too bad. Uh, technically attending the uh, digital, digital joint statistical meetings of the American Statistical Association, which is the big uh, shindig for the statistical community, the big conference. So... Mm get to enjoy uh, a presentation on adaptive and other types of clinical trial design after this podcast was just enjoying a presentation on the effect of non-proportional hazards in immuno-oncology so yeah lots of fun going on here at the moment thrilling edgy <laughs> your seats kind of stuff yeah um yeah nothing too wild or crazy here was up in Galway Mayo the last weekend didn't went for that uh tour around the the islands and Loch Carb and stuff like that it was nice my glasses broke so I uh, went in it took two hours to order new glasses yesterday which is fun uh, I'll get them on Monday but for now it means that I have to wear my sunglasses indoors when I want to watch TV at night time which makes me look real cool to anyone walking <laughs> by um, but yeah apart from that nothing too wild or crazy over here uh, heading up to Cavan for a for a christening next week so uh, or sorry not next week uh, on Friday so that'll be good fun uh, so I suppose we'll spin into the news. We had a couple of big contracts handed out. So Buffalo decided to extend quarterback Josh Allen. Six years, $258 million with $150 million guaranteed. Um, a good chunk of money for the chap. A nice long contract for Buffalo. As it's an extension, it means it doesn't immediately hit into them too hard. And this is another one of these kind of get a good chunk of guaranteed money and lock yourself in with the organization, kind of a la the Pat Mahomes type route, uh, as opposed to your Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott short-term deal um, cash up front kind of jobs with no long-term stability um, seems like a good value for Allen seems like a good value for Buffalo as I think he never really surpasses something like 34 million a year to them over, over the course of this or something along those lines the way it's structured um, but yeah no it looks it looks pretty good and Josh Allen played out of his skin last year very much earned this contract that uh, would seem to make sense to me yeah, I think it's win-win on both sides. Allen gets paid, uh, which is obviously good for him, and the Bills get their franchise locked down. And I mean, he is the the face of that organization, both on and off the field, and uh, he's the t- 
player they're going to build a team around for they would probably hope at least well at least the next six years and beyond that as well um so i mean i think it's it's important to given what he achieved last year and given what it looks like he's his level is i think it's very important they give him as much money as they can to to lock him down and keep him because as long as they have him i think they remain in contention at the top of the afc so i think it's a good deal all around yeah, like I think Josh Allen, after the improvement he had last year, if he can continue that, he will be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. His combination of accuracy, based on last year, with his obvious physical tools, but outside the pocket in terms of his running ability, he's probably the best quarterback in the red zone on the goal line right now in the NFL. It's just a unique skill set. He's shown he's worth this type of money, so there's literally no reason why you give him this money, and I think it comes somewhere between the big deal that Patrick Mahomes got and the big deal that Dak Prescott got, so it seems to be perfectly fair in terms of quarterback value right now. In three or four years, by the end of this contract, it might look like a bargain, to be honest. Yeah, and this is also going to be interesting for future news. As we know, um, Lamar is currently uh, in negotiations with Baltimore for his own contract, and he's acting as his own agent. And this would presumably be the kind of level that he would be looking at. I've seen many many hot takes online this billing. Well, he saved himself his 10% agent fee. He's saying, just give me that contract that they gave to Josh Allen. That'll do <laughs> just fine. Um, Indianapolis decided that they also want to lock down linebacker Darius Leonard. Five years, 99.25 million with 52.5 million guaranteed a nice big payday for the man but he's a big contributor for them this is i think probably the start or maybe the second person of that like group of very good draftees that they had a couple of years back that all the bills are going to start coming due on now um but yeah big contributor good price good amount of guarantees for like linebackers don't tend to get paid that fantastically these days uh, and this is a pretty decent contract for him yeah, so he's reset the market. He's even above what uh, we saw a few weeks ago for Fred Warner. Not mm-hmm. a huge tiny jump above touch that. above, yeah. Yeah, but you know that's how these things generally work. Unless there's kind of a w- truly generational, completely different talent. And look, Darius Leonard is the quarterback of that defense. He is by far, in my opinion, the most talented player on that defense. Only DeForest Buckner is really even in the same stratosphere. And I think when you have someone like that. A modern linebacker who can play all three downs and be effective on all of them and you know make splash plays he gets sacks he gets interceptions he is someone that you genuinely just want to see on the field as much as possible I think that's worth its weight in gold we've seen that in previous generations with people like Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley this new generation of guys like Leonard and Warner are living up to that legacy and I think are just as worth as much money in terms of pushing these guys up there like there's a lot of kind of guys who can't do all of it so once you get one guy who can then it's definitely worth paying them well to keep them on side yeah and this is a team that obviously has question marks over where its future lies obviously Carson Wentz has been brought in to be the quarterback but no one's sure if that's a long-term solution they don't have talent that needs to be paid at kind of some of the more expensive positions they don't have yeah. a long-term deal quarterback so they probably have the cap space and the and the ability to spend on some of these positions and not lose all of the the talent they've acquired over the years through what i must say has been very good drafting from the Colts. and you know we've seen that they've managed to have pretty decent results despite the question marks they've had a quarterback over the last three or four years and like they did lock up uh frank reich uh, a head coach they locked up their GM with a big contract as well Chris Ballard so this is obviously an organization that trusts the system it's just they haven't got the look of getting that truly great quarterback to pull it all together effectively 
Yeah, of course. Okay, in other news around the league, the NFL has officially said that 2020 IR rules are going to be kept. Uh, this is, personally, I would see this as a big plus because I was always a little bit unsure of why it was so limited. I know it's to do with stashing players and kind of keeping them out of the way, but I quite like it. So essentially, unlimited returns from IR, so you can put as many players on IR and have them come back, what we used to call the IR boomerang, and that it's going to be on the basis of three weeks rather than eight weeks of the player. I think it was eight weeks before the player had to miss. So it means that if a player gets injured, they can come back and rejoin the squad while not taking up a roster spot for the intervening three weeks, which I would see as uh, just, just as a common sense move going forward particularly for teams that get a lot of injuries you think of your chargers and your 49ers and things like that that allows them to bring back top quality players when they are immediately available to play like is there is there a downside to this that i'm missing sean Uh, i don't think so no i think it just makes sense in terms of flexibility i mean the the old rules so it was two players allowed to return and only after eight games. It always felt a bit strange to me. It, it, it kind of was effectively, you put players on injured reserve and they're out for the season. And it seemed to be just a place you would put players out for the season. Um, and it didn't really make much sense as a, as a usefulness thing in terms of keeping the, the roster, especially keeping the roster ticking over, especially when you have things like practice squads and players who can come in. Um, on uh, you know a week-to-week basis, so I think this allows more flexibility. It, allow, it allows teams to, it allows situation to more reflect reality. I think in terms of players can be injured for uh, certain lengths of time, uh, and then can be brought back, and it allows other players to be added to the roster and such like. So yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's obviously brought in for uh, COVID as a flexibility thing, but like in many other sports, actually, we're beginning to realize that some of the, the COVID rules are actually quite useful. Um, I'm I'm not sure it's going to be abused as much as you know the the expectation was that the the way the rule was the before was that it would be abused with, by hoarding or such like I, I can't see that happening too much especially um, it's just yeah I I think it, I think it's a minor change but one that is useful for the NFL going forward yeah of course and uh, obviously the only other bit of news at the moment is the Cowboys are on hard knocks I uh, watched it earlier today because I had a very busy day in work Uh, and it was (laughs) not very interesting is basically my main takeaway from it Um, I remember I think I gave up on last year's hard knocks and I was just finding it very boring at a certain point Um, the main storyline so far obviously just the injury to Dak his throwing arm and how it seems to be more of a baseball injury Um, they're trying to play up the bromance with Zeke and Dak quite a bit and uh, just a Mike McCarthy definitely is stuck in the past on certain things anyway. So he has a whole thing in it where he just keeps referencing Austin Powers, the movie, and playing clips of Austin Powers in the room and discussing Mojo. And then he's he's having what he calls Mojo moments on the training field where he just gives them a scenario. You know, like how you would do on a normal training field, like, okay, it's first and 18 uh, and you're down by six points or whatever. And he's just calling them mojo moments and there's nothing else different about them apart from just he calls them a mojo moment and announces it to everyone and no one really gets the context. It's a a bit bit tough to watch. Yeah, like, remember, like Austin Powers, unless if you're under 30, is basically a film that you have no cultural interaction with, basically. Yeah. Um, you probably have very minimal cultural interaction with Mike Myers, except maybe you remember one of the later Shrek sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, Connor, I haven't actually seen it yet, so, Connor, I don't know, like, the benchmark for disastrous hard knocks in terms of bad omens is obviously that Cleveland Brown, uh, Hugh Jackson season. Are we looking at something that looks that 
you know doomed to failure or it's not quite that bad no like overall the team actually looks good cd lamb seems rather good um they do seem to be quite positive and that stuff. Jerry Jones was weirdly emotional in it. I'm a bit confused by that, but yeah, no, like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have the feel of like the we're watching a ship going down type thing, which is I think a positive. I think everyone would rather watch a competitive team on it than a than a dumpster fire, unless it's a particularly hilarious dumpster fire. Um, which the Browns, they were kind of that was a pretty funny season. Yeah, well, was, was, <laughs> if I remember correctly, that Brown season also had the was it the the lineman who was explaining to everyone how you can just basically have unlimited free money because all you need to do is invest and constantly get a 20% return on your money. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, in our low interest rate environment that we live in, that that perhaps doesn't work quite as well. <laughs> uh, let's get into the economics podcasting. But uh, no, but uh, yeah, like I think the main standouts from those were all the many, many meetings involving Hugh Jackson where mm. he'd say something and then everyone was kind of like, you could almost hear the... Uh, the the crickets in the background going this guy he's in charge so yeah yeah i think the team is too talented to go that bad but if you have a bad enough coach you you can never really uh, tell yeah it's also it's weird it's weird looking at kellen moore as a coach because he still looks incredibly young but yeah uh that's that's the only other bit that kind of stood out for me from it but i'm sure hopefully it'll get a bit more interesting the further down the line we go um they also like they really brushed off they they finished like the like they went they did a halftime locker room stuff from the hall of fame game with the steelers when they were like was it three to nothing at that point and they're like we gotta close off this game and then rather than discuss the fact they got their shit kicked in in the second half just go this game might not go their way in the record books but it means something to be playing football and then it just goes running tackling catching fighting and just like just a montage as they proceed to just give up like 20 something points uh on fourth stringer versus fourth stringer it was uh very very strange but yeah uh on that lovely pop i suppose we'll move on and start our review of the nfc west So first up, we have the 49ers. Um, they obviously made a big move in the offseason, acquiring uh, quarterback Trey Lance. They also added Alex Mack, Aaron Banks, Trey Sermon, Will Gollan, Mo Sanu, Samuel Ebicam, uh, Zach Kerr, Maurice Hurst, Arden Key, and Trevon Wilson. They lost Marquise Goodwin, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Kendrick Bourne, Jordan Reed, uh, Richard Sherman, Othello Witherspoon, Jamar Taylor, Joe Walker, Kerry Hyder, Solomon Thomas, Ziggy Ansah, Dion Jordan, and Ronald Blair. So obviously the big storyline going into this and what was kind of a surprise was the trade-up in the offseason to arrange their new quarterback, Trey Lance. Um, <clears throat> they seemed up to this point relatively happy with Jimmy Garoppolo, even though we had said that we were kind of doubting the long-term viability of him at quarterback. Um, they seem to be saying that they're going to let him start off the season and try and like kind of keep his job and that kind of stuff but you don't trade up to get a guy to not have him eventually play like i would imagine optimistically they're going to try and do an alex smith's final year with with uh with mahomes behind him type thing but like it'll be a hard one if they lose a couple of games to keep that up and obviously this is a team that has very high expectations they were in a super bowl two years ago they will point to the injury issues as to why they didn't maybe make it last year um but 
you know, some pieces are gone off that defense, although you could probably argue that some of them aren't, aren't, aren't as big uh, contributors as they once were. Uh, but they have also Ross, Robert Sala, who's now with the Jets as their head coach. So there's a changeover in, in coaching staff as well as personnel. Like, is this a team that can take another run at it and maybe make them consider keeping Jimmy G on? Or is this just a kind of a, an in-between transition year um, before they kind of take on their leaving cert next year with Trey Lance? I would I would expect um, the Niners to be competitive. I think they've got a, a really good squad and they still obviously have a, a great coach and they looked two years ago like they could be a force uh, in the league for a long time to come. I mean, I think the quarterback situation does complicate things somewhat. I mean, I do expect... Even if the Niners are hinting that Jimmy G will start the season, I would expect the transition towards Trey Lance very quickly. Um, I think the, the 49ers bye week is week six, which which would give Garoppolo five games essentially to, to save his, uh, his starting job. Um, from the sounds of it, it looks like Lance is kicking his ass in the training camp, that he's outperforming him and looks way more talented. And I guess then it's just a question of readiness. Um, I guess Jimmy G, I mean, you, you do kind of know what you're getting with Jimmy G. He does have that kind of, he's a certain level that he plays at and, and you can kind of um, expect a certain thing from him. But if to move up, for a team like the 49ers especially, um, to have moved up so aggressively to take Lance um, and with the coaches that they have in terms of, you know, they're, they're clever people who think about football a lot, I would expect him to be quite aggressive in terms of this. And then it's a question just how good he is, because ultimately the Niners, um, you you know, they don't necessarily, all NFL teams require um, a star quarterback unless they have, say, you know, a very good running back or, or something to replace it. In, in 99% of NFL teams, the quarterback is going to be the star. And especially going to make a Super Bowl run, you need a quarterback who can perform for you. And with rookies, there's just, there's such variance, um, especially in the first year in terms of that quality. Um, so I think the Niners will be better than last year, obviously. But the question of how good Trey Lance is is going to decide, I think, um, how far they go. And if he turns out to be a superstar, which is kind of unlikely in year one, they might go quite far. If he turns out to be quite good with potential, they'll probably, in what is quite a tough division, compete, but ultimately probably have to settle for fighting for one of the wildcard spots. And remember, Trey Lance is an incredibly young quarterback. He's 21, with I think only like 300 or so passes at the college level only one full season at North Dakota State which obviously is a level below the kind of elite college level so this is a guy with you know not much on his CV so the fact that he got selected so high is an indication that they really believe in his potential they really believe in his ability to absorb the offense and if he is as good as some people think he is then the Kyle Shanahan offense is one of the best places to show that because the run game should work and you know the offense is very good at making it quarterback friendly. So Trey Lance, yeah, if, if he starts, it'll be very interesting uh, to see what he can do in year one because people are really excited in terms of the running threat, of course. Yeah. No, it's, it, 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 it is a very intriguing one overall because like I said, there's quite a lot of you know, defensive players that have kind of left it because it was their defense that, let's be honest, was kind of the driving force of their Super Bowl run and their performance last year as well. Obviously, Bosa's there, but there's a, there's problems with some of these superstar players. Of Bosa is apparently quite a kind of one of anti-vax person, and his <laughs> girlfriend is now a super racist. 
and it's all kind of collapsing a little bit from that side on them. Um, like they've got, you know, Javon Kinlaw's in there, Eric Armstead, uh, D Ford. Like they've uh, that didn't really work out for them in the end. Um, but like, look, Fred Warner. They've got, they've got, they've got good pieces on this defense. Uh, maybe the maybe the back ha- back end needs a little bit more. But like, it's not quite the level that it was beforehand. And I don't really know much about D'Amico Ryan's. If I'm honest, um, but I know that the way that the previous defensive coordinator was held in esteem would make me worry about what I would view as being a less talented defense being run by someone who I don't know to be a better defensive coordinator. Yeah, so like Ryan, he was the linebacker coach under Salah. Mm-hmm. He was someone who kind of worked his way through the organization over the last, uh, I believe, four years or so. And he's obviously a former player himself. He was a very effective uh, linebacker, I believe, back in the day. So, you know, this is a guy who at least understands what it means to be a player and obviously someone who spent a lot of time under the previous coach, so should have a good idea of how that, you know, Seattle-like system. There's been a lot more added since then, should there. But obviously he is a fairly inexperienced coach, so you have to trust that he will be able to kind of keep that going. But he has the advantage of at least not having to do a completely new system. And in terms of like the overall talent, like when you see people like D Ford, you see that they have definitely made mistakes and, you know, they have jettisoned some of their, you know, uh, guys who didn't really work out in the end. So there is certainly some concerns there. And they did lose some guys who were contributing last year, like Kerry Hyder. But I think the guys who pull the defense together, who really make it work, which is Bosa, who, despite his knucklehead, is you know, undeniably one of the best mm-hmm. edge rushers in the league. Like Eric Armstead, he's not as good as DeForest Buckner, who they traded away last offseason, but he is an effective inside guy. And they have generally had decent luck having getting inside guys to work eventually. Um, and Javon Kinlaw is obviously in year two. They're hoping he can make that leap and become a true contributor. And then in terms of the other pass rusher, like there's a lot of guys competing there. They'll see who gets out of that. Fred Warner is really, as we kind of said, when he got that extension, one of the best linebackers in the league. He's a real quarterback for that defense. I think he can really cover a lot of the mistakes that you might see in this relatively inexperienced back end. Well, except for Jason Verrett, he's kind of experienced, but he's obviously injury prone. Mm. So like the big, if you're thinking about people that you don't really know, it's probably those cornerbacks. Like Emmanuel Mosley looked like he improved a lot over the last season when he was brought in. They have like like Daquan Williams, people like that. But it's definitely not a cornerback group that makes you go, oh, those guys are going to dominate or that's going to be like a Legion Mm. of Boom type organization. But I think, you know, yeah, it's that big question. If D'Amico Ryans can just kind of keep them on the same, I suppose, trajectory that they had with Salah, that should be good enough that they yeah. don't collapse. But of course, we know in the NFL, things are always changing, things are always evolving. Why Saleh got that job with the Jets is that he was able to evolve beyond the kind of Pete Carroll-style defense. We'll see if D'Amico Ryan has his own set of ideas to make them take the next level. Um, no. Especially if injuries hit, which is a not an uncommon scenario in that team, It's unfortunately. Yeah, and this is, uh, we'll probably see it throughout it, that this is quite a difficult um, division that they're in as well. Uh, I have them doing pretty well. I have them winning 13 games and getting into the playoffs but going out in a wild card. What about yourself, Ronan? I have them going 9-8, and eight, number 9 seed, but I think like this is a definitely a team under Shanahan where if things come together, they're definitely a contender. Uh, this is really just more a reflection of, as you say, how tough this division is. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, I'm more in your kind of camp, Connor. I have them 13 and four as well. I think they're going to be very good with the injuries coming back and they'll be competitive. 
I think because of how strong this division is, 13 and 4 may not be enough to win this division. So I have them as the number 5 seed and then going out uh, in the divisional round. But mm. as I said, if Trey Lance is the real deal, they could they could be quite good this year. Yeah, I actually I, I meant that as well. I do have them as at at uh, thirty to four, getting the number five seed. That's not good enough to win the division, which we will obviously be discussing later on in the divisional round. And uh, Harry is uh, eight and nine, very close to Ronan on this one. Uh, although in his estimations, eight wins get them the number eight seed. Um, next up, we have the Cardinals. So. They have added in Rodney Hudson, AJ Green, Rondell Moore, James Connor, Brian Winters, and defensive side uh, JJ Watts, Evan Collins, Victor uh, Dekunje, Ken, whoa, uh, Dubikaji? Dubikaji? Uh Xavier Williams, uh, Malcolm Butler, Sean Williams, Marco Wilson, and Tay Gowan. Uh, they've lost Larry Fitz, Kenyon Drake, Dan Arnold, Mason Cole, JR Sweezy, Marcus Gilbert on the offensive side. Uh, quarterback Patrick Peterson, Draker Patrick, Jonathan Joseph, linebacker Sam Reddick, Devondre Campbell, and defensive end D'Angelo yeah, Blackson. Yeah, they might bring back Larry Fitz, but we'll, we'll see you. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously, um, we know that we have certain opinions on this podcast, particularly maybe uh, Ronan has very particular what? feeling what? on this podcast about uh, no, this, uh, this, this, this Cliff Kingsbury offense that is kind of highly touted coming in and then has been running hot and cold at times I think is part of the query that you constantly have you kind of wonder what this offense will look like they've now got a great center in Rodney Hudson they've added like some confusing pieces like AJ Green I'm not sure how he slots into this offense at the moment anymore James Conner was legit one of the worst running backs in the league last year so I don't know what he's doing here um, there's a lot of bits like that but then there are and, like then there's other bits like JJ Watt could be interesting on the defensive side of things but is also old and has not really been performing all that well of late um it's it it's a bit of a weird one because it's a very veteran heavy defense and they're going to be running into like we discussed the 49ers they have an awful lot of good pieces on offense and have the chance to fly high the rams we'll talk about in a bit we're expecting big things of the seahawks have excellent pieces so you would expect that this defense is really going to have to hit the ground running very quickly for it to be able to achieve anything because you know the Cardinals' problem beforehand, it was Kyler Murray running around for nine seconds and then just heaving the ball up and hoping DeAndre Hopkins was there. Um, now, James Conner is going to be the supporting element that gets that run game going. Like, I don't really see that a huge amount. But I do like what they've done with Rodney Hudson coming into the line and stuff. Um, so, th- this is the question. Is this going to be, because this is what, year three of him being there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, this going to be his vision betting in, and we're now going to finally see it and be like, oh, that's what they were shooting at the whole time, or is this going to be that? Oh, right. So this is this is as high as it gets. This is this is the this is the height of what this Cliff Kingsbury offense looks like. Well, maybe actually we need a little bit more than that, and it's been nice to have you. Here's the door. Yeah, but is is the Cliff Kingsbury vision of football just like pew 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 pew, score big, go troll, blah blah blah, you know? Like, let's be honest, this is a guy who got this job because at Texas Tech, you know, he had some really explosive offenses. But let's not forget that he happened to have, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, when he was at his peak. Like, maybe it wasn't Cliff Kingsbury making them work. Maybe it's the fact they had the greatest, potentially the greatest quarterback of all time during that period. But And he always had one of the worst defenses. And even though they have Vance Joseph, who I do rate, he is a, he's a good he's defensive good. coordinator. It, it, I don't get the sense that there's necessarily a coherent idea of what 
they're building that defense towards because as you say they're kind of okay they get rid of some guys they get rid of like patrick peterson but uh you know what are we gonna do okay maybe we're gonna build young or maybe we have a different idea no like let's get malcolm butler who's kind of been very up and down um after his time in tennessee and even in new england he obviously has that you know one huge moment in his career but he's never been a guy that you could go that's definitely a cornerback one but that's what he's gonna have to do in this in this defense most likely you know they have jj watt let's bring in jj watt let's get him in let's see if he has something in the tank but you know is there a coherent idea of what they're doing and we hear that chandler jones who they'll probably end up keeping he's unhappy because now jj watt's coming in and he's getting paid more and it's just yeah it just doesn't feel necessarily like there's a coherent idea of what they're doing like they 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 got isaiah isaiah simmons in the draft very high last year and then he didn't really do much for much of the season and you're kind of going is that because he's like overrated or is that just a sense that he was that this is the player they drafted because he sounded good sounded sexy but didn't really have a plan for what to do with him because we've seen lots of these kind of tweener players kind of go nowhere in certain places because the team has a certain philosophy of what they should do and they just make guys fit that rather than someone like Bill Belichick who always talks about don't tell me what you can't do tell me what you can do and we'll work around that and I just don't get the sense that this is the kind of team where they're building a, like they have they're building around the players that they have and that they have a coherent vision for where this team is going to be in a year or two or three or whatever like that but because he has kyler murray um and he has deandre hopkins a lot of the time you can get away with that but we saw in the back half of last season that when teams can key in on this and when some of the better teams um you face some of the better teams and of course because they're in nfc west they'll face a lot of better teams that they didn't really seem to have a plan b they didn't seem to have like when they get punched be able to get back up so overall it just feels like a lot of turnover a lot of change but not necessarily kind of more spinning it felt more like they were spinning the wheels trying different stuff but i just don't get the sense that cliff kingsbury is this guy who you know has the record and has had shown the development over the last three years that this is actually going anywhere except for uh, a fun dumb team that scores lots of points but doesn't really make you afraid in terms of like super bowl ambitions well what do you think sean like like we said <clears throat> this is a team that does has shown explosion on offense has shown some big playability and has certainly some big play kind of people on the defense like on paper you would have to think this looks like a pretty good contender team and i get the context it's in a tough division and that the it's run hot and hot and cold like what's it, it it feels very i could see this go either way and i think i think in my predictions i ran straight down the middle on it uh how, like how do you see it playing out do you have upper downside expectations i i mean i i think the fact that they're in a tough division speaks to an awful lot of what how they're going to do this year i think if they were in an, in and probably in any other division in the nfc they'd be considered to be a much better team than they are they're probably above average for the nfl as a whole but given that they're playing perhaps three of the best teams in the NFC um, six times a season, um, I think they're going to going to suffer from that. Uh, I mean, Ronan has already talked in good detail about the offense and, and the problems they have. I mean, we have to look as well at the defense, which, you know, isn't spectacular. They last year, I mean, they were middle of the pack statistically last year. I mean, somewhere between 10th and 12th, I think, in terms of yards and points and such like, which, which was, it must be said, a huge 
improvement on the year before when they were utterly terrible. But that said, you think about the, the very big games or the, the kind of high-profile games the Cardinals were in. They tended to get into shootouts uh, every once in a while. I'm, I'm struck by the, the the famous game against the Bills where they just the, both defenses kind of went missing for the entire game. And that's something that you obviously don't want to have. And then you put them into position in terms of what has been taken away from the defense. People like uh, uh, Peterson, for example, is going to hurt them. And what has been added is, I mean, you look, J.J. Watt obviously is a very big name. But the question is, I mean, how much does he actually have left in terms of his talent? Is he uh, a veteran on the decline or does he have a kind of a, a season um, coming back uh, or does he have another season or two in them? So I think the defense is not going to be good enough, I think, for the division that's around them which does put an awful lot of pressure on this offense and specifically on kind of Kyler to do his Kyler thing, um, you know, every week, which is obviously unsustainable. He's getting better at it, but I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot to ask um, of, a, of a quarterback still quite early in his career. And you look at the additions that they've brought in. I mean, their running game, is James Conner really the solution to anybody's running game no, problems? No, just the answer is no. <laughs> well, I, I know what you think, Conner. Uh, I mean... It's just, I mean, they've, they've drafted a rookie who no one knows an awful lot about. They've, they've, they've brought in A.J. Green, who obviously, again, is a name, but perhaps, you know, doesn't have it anymore. And there are, there's just too many question marks around this team for me. To be stuck in such a tough division, um, there's just too much unknown about how they're going to go. And not enough upside. It's not There's not enough, as you can see, these things could be potentially to be very good, other than Kyler could have an amazing season and him and Hopkins could... could you know, have the season of their lives. Everything else about this team is, well, they could be good, they could be above average, but they could also be quite mediocre. So I tend to incline on the law of probabilities that this team is going to be more likely be below average because of the difficulty of their division than they're going to have a breakout season and make a good run at the playoffs, as we think that the talent suggests that they could be. Yeah, so I have them going 8-9, and nine, which is good for ninth in the NFC. Uh, I think... You're very similar, Ronan. 8-9, which is 10th, but uh, basically yeah. the same idea. And John? Yeah, I have them 6-11, and 11, which I think is more a, a factor, as I said, of their schedule than anything else. Um, I think they're probably better than that in the NFC. They're 12th in the NFC by that ranking, but they're probably not the 12th best team yeah. in the NFC, but nonetheless not good enough for to compete in this division. In a, in, a, in a big spot where I'd love to have him here to try and defend it, Harry has gone for 12-5 and five and they make it to the NFC Championship. Which, like, even if everything breaks right, I'm not sure I think they're that strong. I, I, I mean, I do wonder if he's confused. He's mixed up the Rams and the Cardinals in his box here on the spreadsheet or something. But, yeah, I don't it could Actually, do you know what? That, that could well be it. Um... But yeah, look, we'll figure it out. Uh, for now, he's just real high on the Cardinals. Um, next up, we are moving on to the Rams. So quarterback addition, Matt Stafford. They traded Jared Goff away and brought him in. They also added uh, Raheem Morris, Ernest Jones, Bobby Brown III, Robert Rochelle, Kareem Orr, Cam Akers, Deshaun Jackson, Tudu Atwell, and Jacob Harris. They lost Brandon Staley. John Johnson, Michael Brockers, Troy Hill, Samuel Ekuban, Morgan Cox, Derek Rivers, Josh Reynolds, Gerald Everett, Malcolm Brown, and Austin Bly. So obviously this is, uh, under McVeigh, a offense that is 
you know, very forward thinking. Uh, McVeigh does an awful lot of work to make it easy for you. And he got an awful lot out of, let's be honest, not a lot of a quarterback in Jared Goff. They made it all the way to the Super Bowl with him. Matt Stafford, who I always like to make fun of a little bit on this because I call him Stan Padford. I don't think he's all that good, but I also think he's been hamstrung by the you know, being on the Lions. Um, him in this offense should, in theory, look really, really good. He's got a better arm. He's a smarter player. He knows what he's up to. He's a bit more tougher. So, like, can Stafford lead this Mavey offense to where it wants to be? Could it kind of get back into Super Bowl contention? Uh, they've also, you know, done a good bit of work on the offensive line here. Will that be enough for them to be able to get their running game back going? Obviously, they had an injury to their plan starting running back, so some of that has moved around around and that's gone you guys are gone again you back no i'm here we're here i'm here i don't know if it's here yeah no fits is there uh so I, i'm just gonna go back to the running back part because i'm not sure uh, i was gonna download that as it is now just as a backup cool They've obviously done some work on the offensive line this offseason, but the question is, can their running game thrive? They lost, obviously, what was planned to be their starting running back, so now they have a couple of options there, uh, but not really what they were we were hoping for. And then, obviously, they also had Joe Staley, is, or Brandon Staley is now gone, so the question is, will this defense look as good as it is? It's still got some of the best players in the league playing for it, uh, but can they keep it together as much? I, I, I will just say, as a precursor to this, I am quite high on the this year uh, I too am quite high on the Rams I think if we remember back to the post Super Bowl pod I predicted them to make the Super Bowl uh, in 2022 on the basis uh, of Stafford being brought in I mean I think he solves a, a very big problem that the Rams had which is that Jared Goff is not a good quarterback mm. and there were many times especially last season when Goff himself was the one to blame for the for the Rams dropping games and such like I mean you consider the talent that they had at, at defense I mean, they probably have to have the best defense in the league, and and the talent they had at the at the skill positions in the offense. Goff was the was the real was the, was the kind of the anchor weighing this team down. Stafford obviously is not quite proven at the top level. I mean, I think this is the the season, the kind of you know shitter get off the pot season for him. He's got to prove that he actually is as good as his stats occasionally suggest that he may be capable um, of. We know McVeigh um, can build an offense that is. Super Bowl worthy. He did it three years ago. Uh, we know that this team is capable um, uh, of getting momentum behind it. We know that defense is always going to be strong, so that the offense only needs to do a certain amount every game. So, I mean, I think it's it's big on Stafford. If you asked me a month ago, I mean, we could talk about how Cam Akers would probably be expected to be the star of this offense, but now with him gone, all the pressure is on Stafford, which maybe is not ideal situation that suddenly. He's got all the all the kind of the burden put on his shoulders straight away, um, but no more excuses. Either he performs, or I imagine they'll probably get rid of him pretty quickly if he if he doesn't um, step up uh, and do it. It's a big gamble, um, but I would expect that they, that they will pay off. I think Stafford will rise to the occasion and and push this team quite far. How far will probably depend on how good the defense um, is in its kind of new configuration and how much that talent uh, maintains itself um, from year to year. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably the the lowest or less high on the Rams. I kind of feel like, you know, they've thrown a lot at this, and now, well, I think the obviously the focus from you guys is on Matt Stafford. I think the big focus now is on Sean McVay. This is a guy who's obviously been 
highly touted by the league for many many years but he's now had a lot of his support network stripped away from him he lost a bunch of play people from his coaching staff most notably brandon staley from the defense and now you know you have a defense which obviously has two of the best defensive players in the league undeniably in aaron donald who is the best defensive player and jalen ramsey who is probably the best cornerback in the league at the moment but when you look at the rest of the defense it's just like kind of throw throw bag together of a bunch of guys like you know ranging from you know uh justin hollins to Ashawn robinson david long like their linebacker core is basically non-existent and if you go beyond their cornerbacks with jalen ramsey they're having to rely on guys like darius williams uh, <coughs> and defensive backs like taylor rapp to make a you know some kind of contribution or a rookie like robert rochelle and you know they didn't make any additions beyond the draft this year so they're obviously not bringing in guys who will make an instant impact probably these were mostly like late later round guys because they keep trading away their first round picks of course so for me like this is definitely one team i can completely understand why people would put these guys in the super bowl i think matt stafford is a huge upgrade over jared goff and i think that the big question is is that if you take the sean mcveigh offense is it a great offense because basically it's a joystick offense where sean mcveigh is just playing like madden with the quarterback and he is the genius who knows more than all else or if you add in a matt stafford someone who has you know over a decade of experience in the nfl someone who has shown more than his own willingness to kind of go out there and do it do what he wants in key moments once some control is taken away from sean mcveigh does he succeed and thrive because you know most of the plays work most of the mcveigh stuff makes everything so easy uh, but then you get that extra level that extra spice by having a guy like matt stafford and of course the direct analogy would be to what we've seen with aaron Rodgers with lafleur um, where that it's this very similar offensive scheme coming from that wider Shanahan family. So we could see Matt Stafford have that Aaron Rodgers leap where everything works for him. Um, but, you know, the defense is definitely weaker in my opinion, um, even with the addition of Raheem Morris, who is a respectable defensive coordinator. Um, so that could come back a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, the pressure will be on Stafford to perform and kind of keep them in some of the boat races that are almost inevitable given the quality of the teams around them in the division. Um, so yeah, I think for McVeigh, this is a he's gone all in on this move for Stafford. He's had to jettison a lot of coaches and a lot of players to get into that position. So this is really going to be the uh, test of whether he's the kind of genius that he's been lauded at since he's come into the NFL. Yeah, and I do think just even <clears throat> simple things like I would trust Matt Stafford to make an adjustment uh, as he, after the uh, audio from his head coach has been yeah. cut off, whereas I do not trust Jerry Goff to do that, and I think that was reflected in what our estimations for the uh, Lions for the upcoming season are. Um, let's look at our ex- expectations for these guys this year. I've got them going... 13 and 4, which is good for the number two overall seed, and they uh, make it all the way to the Super Bowl in my predictions. 10 and 7, number three seed, divisional elimination for me, but uh, look, I can definitely see that upside as well. Uh, I suppose being being a fan of the Seahawks, a uh, divisional rival, inevitably I'm going to probably uh, discount them more than I should, to be honest. What about your what about your happiness maximization by voting on different things in different ways to make sure you're mostly neutral? Yeah, well, I, di- I didn't, like, tank them, so... Uh, <laughs> That's fair. You know, they uh, still win the division in my scenario. It just happens to be a bit lower than you guys. Fair enough. Sean? Yeah, I have them 14-3, and three, the best team in the NFC, going to the Super Bowl. I think to, to lose the Super Bowl to the Chiefs 
Um, I, but I think the NFC is there for them. It's a very weak conference, all things considered. It's theirs to, theirs to win, and I think they have a very good shot at it. Hmm. And uh, Harry has them going 9-8 and eight and going out in the divisional round against the Bucks. I think you're right. I think he may have the Cardinals <laughs> and the Rams uh, predictions mixed up in this one. Um, fair enough. And finally, on to Fitz's Seahawks. So they brought an offense coordinator, Shane Waldron. They've also had a Gerald Everett, Gabe Jackson, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, on the defensive side, Akella Weatherspoon, Pierre Desir, Trey Brown, Kerry Hyder, Al Woods, Alden Smith. They lost Shaq Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, Delano Hill, Jaron Reed, KJ Wright, Bruce Irving, Shaquem Griffin. And on the offensive side, Greg Olson, Mike Iapati, David Moore, Carlos Hyde, and Jacob Hollister. So this is um, supposedly... Russell Wilson's choice for OC. Um, he wanted this guy in and is hoping this will mean that he can kind of push up a level. Uh, he's been mouthing off in the media the last week or so saying that they'll have the number one offense in the league and that they're the best and all that kind of stuff uh, because he believes himself to be Mr. Unlimited. Um, Unlimited. <coughs> Unlimited. Um, yeah, they've obviously added in Gerald Everett, who was a decent enough tight end previously for them to kind of make up for they've lost. Uh, I don't really know much about the rookie Dwayne Eskeridge, to be honest. Um, there's an awful lot of kind of recognisable names from this defence who are not there. Jaron Reed, KJ Wright, Bruce Irvin, all names that you would probably know, but a lot of whom who had maybe not performed as strongly o- over recent years for them. Uh, as we said, this is very much kind of turnover time on the defence side and uh, what, what, what can be done because you know particularly the interior defense is not the most amount of depth slash even top level talent anymore versus where it would have been previously and the cornerbacks are still a little bit all over the shop let me just pull up my listings here so like yeah so like Jamal Adams is obviously there, but I believe is currently in a hold-in, uh, wanting his new contract. Yeah, well, look at Jamal Adams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Connie Diggs there, DJ Reid. And then, like, you got that kind of mixture of, I'm sure one of them will work out, but, like, Weatherspoon, Flowers, Desir, they're all kind of there as well. Um, there's there's an awful lot of just kind of, like, well, some of this will stick. Uh, Bobby Wagner, obviously, there and kind of running everything from there and uh, middle of the defence and Carlos Dumlap and so on. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, because I think, even though it, even though it's not been that for a long time, it, it's still always in my head. I always think of the Seahawks as being a, a, a defense forward team, uh, and it, it, you know, it, it, you can see now that it's really moved on from that, and it is going to need to see a step up from the offense. So, do we think that's? And I'll let you go first, Fitz, because it's it's your team. Do we think that's what we're going to see? Do we think, you know, Shane Waldron's going to get what we need out of? Uh, out of Russell Wilson and you know you've got the receivers there now you've got kind of you know tight end help your offensive you've had a Gabe Jackson I don't know what the offensive line is maybe still a question mark but uh but yeah like what what, what are you expecting to see this year look firstly if you're going to talk about the defense you got to include the guy with the best name Puna Ford um and he was actually a good good defensive tackle uh they lost Jerron Reed I think that's definitely a loss uh, but he was unhappy with the team. He didn't want to stay, and they cut him because of that. Yeah, well, they asked him for a pay cut, didn't they, or something? I don't even think it was a pay cut. I think it was just a situation where he wanted stuff that they couldn't give. I don't know. He's just unhappy for some reason. Yeah. I think like the biggest loss in the offseason for the defense is Shaq Griffin, who, look, I don't know if he's a cornerback one, but he is a very he is a, he was a very good cornerback. He was at least like a kind of 
just below Pro Bowl level, and now you've got a bunch of guys in there. Now, a lot of them have previous experience in the system, like Witherspoon comes from San Francisco, who run a very similar defensive scheme. Uh, people like Trey Flowers have been there for a while. Ed Reed came on well. No, sorry, DJ Reed came on well last year. Um, and, you know, Pierre Desir is from that system as well. So, you know, I think there is a historically been a problem with getting guys up to up to speed at the cornerback position in particular. So most of these guys have some experience with the with the scheme. So it's just a matter of how talented they actually happen to be. And then, yeah, the defense, it's not very, uh, it's not doesn't have a huge amount of depth. As you mentioned, the defensive tackle position is a bit weak, but they have Carlos Dunlap. He made a immediate and definitive impact as soon as he was traded for during the season last year, where they suddenly went from being one of the worst defenses to a you know decent defense. And obviously, you have Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. These are guys who you can trust. So I think if you're talking about the offense, like what can these guys do under Shane Waldron? Well, the decision they made is to basically copy what's working for everyone else which is that basically he comes from the rams and obviously the rams run a de- an offense based around the whole shanahan system so i would expect a uh you know, like that's a system that's perfectly amenable with running. So you might see more zone read concepts after going to power for the last like three or four years. And they had success with that in the past with like people like Marshawn Lynch and Chris Carson is solid. You know, you can't really say anything wrong about Chris Carson. He always works hard. He's not someone who's going to get you like, uh, you know, long touchdowns. But if you're talking about grinding the, the game out, he's, he's really effective at that. And Rashad Penny, they spent that first round around a few years ago. Maybe he can kick on. So I think really it's about the pass offense. Because I think, you know, they had so much success in the pass offense last year early under Schottenheimer, their previous offensive coordinator. But by the mid-season there was a sense that everyone agreed that they had been figured out that the kind of deep ball based offense kind of the uh uh was it the air not the air raid but the uh, uh yeah the kind of air raid type of offense like just throwing it downfield um mm. was it really working at that point it had been figured out and they became a hugely less efficient as the season went on whereas if you move to this more you know kind of rhythm passing quick passing kind of more West Coast concepts that will come in here. Maybe that can give Russell Wilson the opportunity to kind of have more reliable production and then that can open up the field predictably in the long run for guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But, you know, there is a question. Some of the people who are more critical of Russell Wilson have said that he's not really the best rhythm passer in the NFL. He's had like maybe one and a half seasons where he genuinely looked great at that. But for the last few seasons, he hasn't really lived up those expectations that he really hasn't lived off the the deep ball in terms of his overall statistics so for me i'm 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 a bit so so on this like i think the offense could definitely be better that the offensive scheme has much more reliable success over the last five years than the scheme they were running the air coriel scheme they were running in recent years um but you know if russell is russell wilson at this stage in his career with minimal run threat is he the guy to make that thing sing and be a genuine contender because yeah the defense there's some really talented names, but overall, there's definitely weaknesses that can be attacked by the better teams. So, look, overall, I think under Pete Carroll, it feels like Seahawks have been treading water to some extent in recent years. And I don't necessarily see the jump here to kind of take them to back being to being genuine Super Bowl contenders based on what we're seeing here. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can't really add too much beyond that. I mean, obviously, Ronan is the Seahawks expert. I mean, I think there is some considerations that need to be given to uh, the coaching situation in that Pete Carroll, I believe, has not had a losing season in, in a decade, which I think puts him into that category of the kind of the Belichick, Sean Payton 
um, situation where the, the coaching adds a few wins or is ex- should be expected to add a few wins every season. I think there's still great, there's still a, an awful lot of talent um, on the offensive side, not just Wilson, but obviously people like DK Metcalf um, as well. The question marks are, I guess, about defense, a little bit of lack of de- uh, depth. Uh, on the defensive end, obviously the cornerback, there's been a bit of a downgrade and you're relying on, on players like Witherspoon making that transition, which, albeit it's a similar system, but we don't really know how well they'll adjust um, across the board. Um, and then you've got some situations with, you know, first time offensive coordinator and, and such like. So there is a lot of uncertainty here, I will grant you, but I, I mean, you, I think you've got to bet on coaching talent you got to expect that uh, Pete Carroll he's kind of got that Belichick thing where people don't quite know uh, in preseason how good his teams will be but he always finds a way to make them perform better um, than they look on paper so I'm going to give them a, a bit of a, a a few tick marks for that and also I mean I think I think it's also worth noting that the defense while the offense did decline quite significantly in the second half of last season the the defense got a lot better um, I believe that they, they improved uh, themselves quite a bit in the second half. Um, and if it wasn't for the fact that they ran into a, a very hot Rams in the playoffs, they could have rolled that um, quite far. So I guess there is a little bit of questions about the Seahawks' identity, but um, I do have expectations that if they do click, they can be quite a, a dangerous team to face. And also, I think it's worth pointing out the the schedule is an interesting one. Aside from the division, and obviously they'll have, have tough games against the Rams, and the 49ers in particular. Aside from that, their their schedule is mostly against solid but not fantastic teams. So teams like the Titans, Colts, and, and the Packers are going to be playing them, which are all kind of games that they can win. Um, so if they get on a good run and turn those 50-50 games into wins, they could they could rack up quite a good win total, I think. Yeah, so look, there's, there's a lot to be looking forward to on this team. There's a lot of question marks, and I think it'll be interesting to see. I think this is one where we'll see an awful lot more of the impact of an offensive coordinator coming in than we maybe would in other teams. Because uh, I was it last year that Russ wanted to cook and he was allowed to cook for one and one quarter games and then they just shot it down again. Um, so we'll see. And then obviously, you know, the the, the, the recurring question marks of uh, uh, injuries at running back and being able to kind of have kind of consistency coming that and and, and the offensive line so it should be should be an interesting one this is a bizarro land one so we're all very close um me ronan and uh harry all have them going 10 and 7 and sean you've been going 12 and 5 but we all have them getting eliminated in the wildcard round yeah i mean i think in the situation where i'm giving them two more wins than the seahawks fan is i'm probably being a little bit overly optimistic um, and certainly 12 and 5 can be considered the upper range of what's going on. Um, but yeah, I think we, if nothing else, we can all agree that they're likely to win somewhere around 10 games and go out in the wild card. Yeah, yeah they're in the, the classic zone, like the Steelers are in, basically. Mm. And that's the thing, like, I don't discount that if they click well, it could just go off. Like, you know, they do have good receivers and a very good quarterback and if they stay healthy a good run game like there, there there definitely is potential in this team it's just more there's so much that needs to stay healthy and they've had problems with injuries in the last couple of years that like it's just it's it's always us that worry um but yeah no overall should be an exciting year for seahawks fans so that wraps up our previews in their entirety lads uh very exciting times i suppose uh but i think we probably revealed them during the thing who do we have as our super bowl winners 
believe I've gone with the Chiefs, uh, who will beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, I think. Cool. What about yourself, Ron? I believe I had the Chiefs winning as well. Oh, very And good. against the Packers. Yeah. I have the Browns winning against the Rams. I, I would love to see it, Connor, but uh, yeah. I think uh, Harry had uh, the Bucks winning the uh, entire thing. Again. Yeah, he had the Bucks winning. I can't remember who they were playing against. Probably the Chiefs or Brown, something like that. I think the Bills. I think he had the Bills. Oh, it might have been the Bills, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't the Bills. <laughs> no. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Or the Titans or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he actually had the Titans. No, oh, someone remembered the Titans. Very good. Um, Indeed. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, so I suppose we're probably not going to um, do too much up until we'll probably have a week or two off, and then we will be coming back with the preview of week one and our, I suppose we need to do our, our, our award predictions for the year, right? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be... Unless you all scream out for, like, pre-season analysis, of course, you know. The... Yeah, we can, we, can always, <laughs> we, can all, we can always come in and do a quick pre-season. These guys have gone up and down. I suppose there, there, might, there might be some value in the, the going into the final week of pre-season just doing a... And here is just the honour roll of the 126 players who are now injured and will not be playing the start of the season. And, uh, <laughs> and a listing of every one of the... What would it be at that point? For be twelve hundred? Is that right? Twelve hundred players who'll get cut between now and then. It's something like that, yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we could count them all off if we want. Yeah. Um, twelve hundred and eighty, apparently. Or yeah, twelve to thirteen hundred. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Be uh be a bit of crack but yeah um no apart from that uh yeah so we'll, we'll figure out our schedule but it'll probably be a week or two before you hear from us again um any plans for the weekend with yourselves lads uh the other kind of football european football specifically the english premier league is kicking back off so that'll keep me going for a few weeks um at least until the nfl starts uh, again um all teams have great expectations of what's going on but most likely man city will win everything i think yeah, well, now that they have uh, Grealish, you know that that makes them unstoppable. Uh, you you, you to, tempted to choose to Grealish over Messi is is quite <laughs> a, a, a aggressive move by Pep Guardiola. It must be said. Will you be tempted to like uh, kick in week one to to League One, uh, League One uh, from France just to see how ridiculously extravagant PSG are now? <laughs> um, yeah, they have the best front line that has ever been assembled in the history uh, of soccer. Um, it's the best player basketball. of all time, the best young player, uh, and a guy who is world class, but is also got the worst temperament in the world. Like it's um, full so on, like fun, NBA. Anyway. It's a full like NBA style super team type of thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think the the highlight of this week in terms of the Premier League will be United versus Leeds United, uh, Man United versus Leeds United. That's a tasty game, in my opinion. Very good, very good. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going up for a baptism, and then I might be uh, might be doing D and D on the weekend. But I'll see. It depends on whether people are available. Uh, do you know what? It's awful hard getting everyone around now that people are returning to doing things in person. It's so much more difficult than just getting onto a Zoom call. Um, but yeah, fun times. Also, my second vax is now through, so I can go do indoor dining and stuff if I want. So uh, yeah, hooray! Exciting times. Um, but I suppose, as always, popping questions to us, we'll now start doing more of the listener questions. We might actually do a few question bits on the next one. Um, we've got a bit of a backlog here. But um, for now, I suppose it's bye for myself, bye from Sean. Bye.
Bye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. Uh, this has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.